Hello, ladies and gents, and welcome to season two, episode ten of the Homestead in UK podcast. I'm Alan. I'm here with my mate Mike. How you doing, Mike? Mike. Hey. Have a change of location, and I must say that in the background you're going to hear quite a bit of noise today because we are actually up at uh, Mike's new place of work. You're um, chopping, mate, and I am chopping. We're both chopping, so if you hear chopping noises or farm machinery in the background, apologies in advance. No, it's That's not. A, don't apologise, mate. It's, it's, it's real life. It's real life. Where we're at. Um, so, so, so I should explain, we're at the farm, and I've just come up, it's my, I'm off and probably still at the minute, as you probably be aware, and uh, I just thought I'd pop up, I was in the area anyway, come up and see Mike, see how he's doing, and he's got me working, Absolutely, mate. Can you imagine? He's working his, li- he's working his little bl- blue collar fingers to the bone. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're recording. Here's Dan, come Here's up. Dan, hello Dan. You're on your blog. Yeah, we're on. Dan's come, come up. Say hello, Dan. And we know that Dan's actually coming here for one thing only, and that's the sun-dried tomatoes. Oh, that's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where Where are are they? Very good. <laughs> I know, I know, I know you won't come to see me. These are. Don't swear, you're on the radio. These are fantastic. Dan's just doing a live taste test. Mm. Any good, Dan? Superb. So right. this is the outcome of the dehydrate we were talking about last time, isn't it? Yeah, so um, what we've got here is... I don't know how old that dehydrator is. It was in your cellar, wasn't it? Probably about 10, it. Years, 10 years old. We've made some jerk here once before, yeah. I think. But we just got it out, got it running, and it's a really lovely way of dealing with those that tomato glut. So, Dan, we're going to put you on the spot now. Come oh. on, come on, tell us what you think of the tomatoes. But like, try and describe the texture of a sun-dried tomato. Here we go. They're definitely the best sun-dried tomatoes I've had. <laughs> oh, curry in favour. They're like little sweeties, though. They really, are, absolutely. It and really does band up the sugar, doesn't it? Mike gave us a bag of these on our trip down to Somerset. Yeah. And demolished them. Yeah, I Well, I can't imagine they yeah. lasted like outside of it, no. outside of Sussex, <laughs> did they? <laughs> so we'll keep making them, and obviously, another real good benefit of that is that once they're processed, they don't need any power to stay dry. No, just what you do, jar them up, or? So put, we put them in a jar. They don't need any oil in it. A few people have asked about that. They don't need any Actually, oil. We avoid the oil. I think we spoke about that before, yeah. didn't we? They don't need any um, oil. Just did we speak about that on, on the podcast or not? I, I, I know me and you have spoke about it many times. About, definitely would avoid the oil on the basis that um, anaerobic, low, low acid anaerobic um, conditions are where botulism likes to live. And uh, if you've ever been involved with botulism, you're probably not allowed to tell the tale. So I recommend involved, avoiding that. Been involved with botulism. Been involved botulism. with botulism, not a good ending. Um, Sounds like a cult. So you can't see it, you can't smell it, you can't taste it. Um, but it is a little uh, bacteria that can grow in those conditions. So it's definitely to be avoided, uh, unless you really know what you're doing and it involves preparing your veggies appropriately in the first place. So uh, do your research on that if you're going to go down the oil route for any vegetables, anything that's low acid, really important. But tomorrow's low acid, because you wouldn't think... No, but... Um, they, they are they are not high acid but what you do when you bottle tomatoes is you add lemon juice lemon juice yeah which I've brings the acid that. up yeah so um, anyway we're, we've got the sun-dried tomatoes I've put some pictures up I think yeah I think like they've been great and more than ever now with, with the energy cost rising and stuff like that and we're, I know we'll talk about that in a, in a bit but yep. trying to find ways of old-fashioned ways of preserving stuff which aren't reliant on power it's quite nice obviously you need the power to hydrate dehydrate them um, but you know, if you put them somewhere, well, you warm, don't on a day like today, mate. No, you could just put them outside. Sunshine, yeah. but, um, uh, and, yeah. and on that note, and I was speaking about this on the Facebook, I have successfully sun dried tomatoes in the back of my car <laughs> on the parcel shelf yeah. of my car, and they work works perfectly well. Yeah. Yeah. And they'd be done in a day. 
You know, seriously. Yeah. So you just put some greaseproof paper, lot of it down on your parcel shelf. Yeah, because you don't want to be. And then a couple a of tomato car. A couple of drying racks, like cake tin racks, you know, whatever you call yeah. them, um, cooling racks, yeah. wide racks, and you just lay them on that. And I tell you what, it works every time. You could even park your car directionally facing the sun if you want to, if you want to yeah, get really into dub, it. Yeah, but it up, isn't yeah. really about that. It's about the heat inside the car. So your car will smell though. I was going to say because <laughs> when we were a kid, right? When we were kids. My dad bought a Volvo. Yeah. And it looked really nice on the outside. Yeah. We took it out one day and uh, the engine started getting warm. Mm-hmm. And it stank of curry every time the engine got warm. Does that happen with your tomatoes? No, it doesn't. Oh, okay, that's all right. Well, it's I quite like curry, so it wasn't the end yeah, of the world. So but not too bad, is it? You know, the worst things it could smell but, of, I guess. But, but more than ever, and something I would be really interested to hear from other people out there, because there's people all around the world now who are listening to this. Yeah. What, what are your hacks for? Um, energy free storage because obviously you know myself I'm reliant on a freezer yeah and that's got an energy implication hasn't it um, but certainly drying beans drying chilies and drying tomatoes and drying herbs they're things I have done now yeah um, but now I've got this little um, nine tray dehydrator I'm going to see what I can do for that you know because you know my freezer's only as good until I get a power cut to be honest well, it lasts a few days, a few days after that if you keep it shut, well, as we know. But it will, yeah. And I'm not too um, worried about vegetables defrosting and refreezing either. No, I was going to say. And, and I think in, in your environment, although it's quite possible, quite likely that you might get a power cut at some point, yeah. the likelihood that it's going to cause you a problem with your frozen vegetables is very small. Yeah. By the time it starts to become a problem, if you're careful with your use of the freezer, it won't be a problem. No, um, However, if you've got meat in there, I might be a bit more concerned. Well, the good thing about the farm here is that there's a backup generator. Yep. And so if there ever was a power cut, I could load my stuff at home into a crate and bring it up here and put it in. Yeah. If, if there was freezer space here. Yeah, of course. Anyway, but that's a backup plan for the meat because, you know, if I've got half a deer in there, suddenly you're talking about maybe, you know, a quarter of a year's meat, which I yeah, can yeah. really do with not wasting. Yeah, absolutely. And also, you know, the cost implication. Yeah. So, yeah. So, Really, although this is episode ten, it probably should be nine B, shouldn't it? Because nine B. We were we were talking. It's only a week ago since we last spoke, and um, yeah, but it's still an hour long episode. I was, this was pretty. Yeah, well, because it's been a while since we caught up, but we wanted to do a second section, and we, and we kind of ran out of ran out of time, didn't we, and energy. So, so we wanted to talk a bit, a bit about floods, and as I said, we we're, we're kind of this is what we're dealing with now, right? We've got some massive mowers. Of which they're guts. I've got big guts. Gluts. Gluts. Get your gluts out. Gluts. Um, and it was just really, you know, we've been talking a lot about budget busting lately, and, and I think, you know, I've been trying to get up there and as often as I can, at least I haven't ended it every day, but as often as I can, put some uh, recipes up there for people to be using. And I think the one thing that's come out of all those recipes that's really obvious is if you're grubbing your own vegetables, that's the cheapest way. Oh, that is the cheapest way, especially now, and obviously if you're producing your own meat, even more so, but than dairy and all those things. Everything's going up there, mate, and I was listening to uh, Radio 4 this morning, which is our national radio broadcasters in the UK, mm. for people who are outside of that. That's BBC, yeah? Yeah, yeah, we're listening to their Farming Today programme every morning, they're talking about a 25% increase in all food costs. Yep. So, you know, thinking about trying to save pennies here and there, eating your own produce... If you ever needed an excuse, it's even better, isn't it? Well, literally, the one I put up yesterday, which we've just been eating some of, actually, yeah. um, the, the, the frittata idea, or tortilla, or whatever you want to call it, that kind of vegetables and things in egg. Yeah. Um, literally, if I'd have not had any, I happen to have squash and sweet potato in my fridge, yeah. right? So, but I hadn't had those, though. I just used the vegetables that I got. You made it with what? It was all homegrown. 
the eggs, the veg, the whole lot, you know? And it's mm, tasty, I've so, had, so, had a little sneaky go, mate. So, so at that point, you're pretty much eating for nothing, which, you know, yeah, there's a lot of effort going into it. It's not actually costing you any cash. So if it's gone up by 25%, 25% of nothing is still nothing, right? I know. And I would say, and this is true, is that it's also not only the financial implication, I'd say the flavour's better, I'd say it's better for you, you're eating seasonally, and better for you, better for the planet. Never mind all of the kind of feel that you get about I grew that and all that well-being yeah, yeah. stuff, you know. Yeah. So what we're doing here at the moment is I planted. So the farm that I'm working on, we're really feeding five families. That's where we're at. Self-sufficiency for five families, and the idea then is to upscale that and go into food production to run a small farm shop initially, and then it'll go where it goes. But of course. We have times when there's more food than we're using at that time. And yep. traditionally, on an allotment, you give it away. Let's be honest. You know, you go round your nans and you say, Hello, nan, I bought you a yeah, marrow. I bought you a marrow because I can't eat anymore. Yeah. And, uh, and sometimes people, you know, courgettes are really well known for it as our runner beans. Yep. Um, and in fact, if you're on up to my allotment this afternoon, chances are on the table, by outside, the shoes, is help yourself. I've please got more help yourself. That's right. Everyone else is looking at it going, I don't need any more courgettes because no. I've got more than enough of my own. Thank you very much. But that is the crux of it, is that yep. everyone's got more of it now. Yes. But they won't have more of it in two months, three months, four months, five months. And no. so, very simply, what I'm doing here is we've got some freezers at the farm. And as we've gone over the last the last two weeks, is, this has been what farming actually looks like. Yep. This is it. Self-sufficiency farming at the moment isn't sowing, really. Um, no. Luckily, there's been a bit of rain. Well, it could be sowing if you had... I am sowing, yeah. but it's not like sowing like I was in March. No, no. no what no, it no. looks like is um, food prep and food preservation, really. Yep. Because what I'm trying to do is to ensure that there's always enough food for people um, those five families right through the winter mm -hmm. and some of those families have only got two people in it some have got five or six people in it so yep. everyone uses different amount but what we're actually doing here is just chopping up courgettes because there are so many and there are so many every day yep. and bagging them up into 500 grams or pound bags putting them in the freezer next to the tomatoes and that just means then that if anybody wants a stew or a soup or a bolognese or a passata or whatever they want or it could be anything. Um, you just grab a bag of each out and then that's the basis for your dinner, isn't it? And, yep. And like a lot of people, I think that, I think we're, you know, I've had to learn this. It's about what's ready. There are times when I wake up and I really want a certain kind of dinner, but if I haven't got it in my fridge or freezer, it's very tempting to just go and buy stuff that you want. Mm -hmm. But when you've got the things there you need, it's about cooking to with what you've got, isn't it? And, and I think that that's quite a big... I spoke about this before, yeah. some time ago now, maybe even two years ago, um, with the lockdown. It was like, well, I can't get some of these ingredients. Yeah. So I'm going to have to be creative. And I've really enjoyed that, actually. I have yeah. to say, if, like, well, yeah. I can't go out and buy whatever it is I've got. I've got to make do with what I've got here. Yeah. Um, well, actually, that's okay because yeah. you know a lot of the recipes that we can use are really flexible. Absolutely, you find similar things to do the same job. You're laughing, yeah. aren't you? And don't get me wrong, I try and pick the courgettes every two or three days. Mate, but I, I miss no them. No way, I miss them. These are as big as my leg. 
you know, he got little legs. <laughs> but the other thing about courgettes, if you know, is that they're like they're like ninjas. They hide. Like they are. They they hide, and then you, you you swear you pick to the old patch, and then you go past, and there's another one there. Yeah. But none of it will get wasted here, because what we don't eat. So like, it's because some of these have started to form seeds inside. Oh my days, do the chickens love them? Oh yeah. I just split them in half, and they yeah. demolish them. They eat yeah. a whole lot. Um, but there are other ways. You know, other things we could do. We could we could feed them to pigs or chickens, like I say. But we could make wine out of it. Yeah. Like really easily make wine out of it. Um, and certainly we could um, make a huge big batch of soup or something like that, mm -hmm. and have it all down there like that. But there's, there really isn't any need if you've got the time to to waste anything. But no. certainly what I'm doing at the moment is gauging how many. So I've got 16 courgette plants. That's what I've got. Yeah. And I would say that if it was just for five people, I would say that this is probably enough for five families to be sufficient all year. Mate, there's enough here yeah. for most families to be self-sufficient all year. So we've got... Yeah. Yeah, but you're going to use one of them a week. So if you use one of them a week, I suppose we could do with a few more. But well, we're something in our way. But bearing in mind, you're going to be eating them fresh from... I don't know, July to July, October, probably maybe. to October, yeah. Yeah. So I'm thinking that, you know, let's just say we need, let's just say every family needs 20 bags. Yep. At a push. Yep. That's nearly four, what is that, four months, maybe if you have it twice a week, a couple yeah. of times. Yeah. So it, you're suddenly thinking, well, that's actually quite a lot of bags. It is a lot of bags. Yeah. 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 But, and, and, but I don't think we'll be shy of that nearly. Well, the, thing is, the other thing is, when I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, well, a 500 gram bag for me, for my family, is probably a bit too much. Yeah. But once it's frozen, you shake some of it out and leave the rest back in the freezer, don't yeah, you? Yeah, you do. So or, or you have it over two days, and you have a soup yeah. one day and a yeah. stew the next day, or you have... make a big batch and yeah, yeah whatever. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And um, obviously, different vegetables are, are processed in a different way. The thing about courgettes is, really, once they've been frozen and, and then they come out, they're not really good as a fresh vegetable. No, no. Kind of, they've got to be blitzed or blended. They maybe made into a pickle or a chutney or something like that. Or into a soup or a yeah, stew or a ratatouille even, where they break down a bit. Any other sorts of things. That's perfect for that. Perfect well, for that. I, I like them as a thickening agent. Now. Yep. When they when they because they dissolve, don't they, in a stew, and you yep. won't actually see it if you cook it for over an hour or something like that. It'll be. When I do my slow Tuscan stew, my slow yeah. baked Tuscan stew, which I can tell you now, I've eaten a lot of that in the winter. I'll bet you <laughs> are, yeah, yeah, yeah. With the beans and tomatoes we've yeah. got. The, um, this saves me having to use any kind of flour or thickening agent. It's a real natural thickening agent, yeah. the courgette. And a lot of kids don't like courgette, let's be honest as well. They don't really yeah. like it. And so it's one of those vegetables you can hide, isn't it? And that's a, a, a really valuable thing for a lot of people who are trying to increase what their family are eating and stuff like that and I have to say some of the things that are in here I, I've put this in my you know I was talking about my, my uh, bacon and bean pasta the yeah day. These, they, these will go in that perfectly fine yeah might take a little bit longer to get them brown that yeah that'd be tricky, absolutely great but they'll, they'll come out and they'll be absolutely fine for that no problem at all it's interesting as well isn't it you're doing a Romanesco courgette yeah much more drier much more substance to it and yeah. I prefer them ones yeah I'm doing your classic defender or all yeah. green bush whatever yeah. it's called much wetter, not doesn't look as sort of solid, does it? You know what I mean? No. So you look something dry around. Well, well, I think you might need to use that blue sheet. <laughs> That's the fridge kicking in, by the way. I did have. No, definitely. Um, 
Yeah, so we wanted to talk a little bit about, about dealing with gluts, and, and to some extent there's a bit of potential crossover for some stuff we've done on preserving before. Yeah. And I think we're straight into, as soon as we're talking about gluts, we're talking about preservation, we're talking about dehydration, we're talking about pickling, we're talking about freezing, we're talking about bottling or canning, um, and all those different ways in which you might choose to preserve your harvest. And that's definitely, I mean, what's interesting for me is coming up here today, I've been doing exactly the same. Just with different vegetables at home. Yeah, you know? and, and I know I've spoke about that before, right? I know that the scale's bigger here, yep. but the process is exactly yeah, the same. Yeah, yeah. It's no different, is it? No. You know, we've got green crates full of courgettes. You might have a, a, a little tray full of courgettes, yeah, yeah. or you might have four or five courgettes. <laughs> got the shelf in the fridge. You've got courgettes. Oh, you know, Al's <laughs> going to do this for me, and then he's going to go home and do it again. You're going to do it a bit of a self layer, or no, I'll keep meaning to make chutney out of mine, but I keep failing to get around to it. Um, no. In terms of the gluts then, so there's obviously the preservation techniques that you would use to try and preserve them. And what I want to really try and do is get away from it being very generic and general and kind of like, oh, well, you could freeze it, you could dehydrate, you could... Yeah. What I'd like to try and do is get down to a couple of like specific recipes. recipes. And again, a bit like we've been doing with the budgets, what I'd like to do is to get out there with some very specific recipes about what do you actually do with these. If you've got the too many courgettes, right. yeah, you can freeze some, push can. Yeah. But if you wanted to do something else to store them not in the freezer, because one of the things you were saying earlier was about the cost and the space and yeah. you know, the running of a freezer over this winter. Yeah, and the, fall and, the and the fallibility of a freezer. Yeah. Because, and I'm, you know, not to scaremonger in, but I have heard it mentioned we might not have power 24 7. Yeah. We might not. Yeah. We might not. Well, I can tell you mine, my go to recipe for cool jets. Mm -hmm. Uh, for preserving a glut of courgettes, my go-to recipe is called a bread and butter pickle. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I've shared that recipe on the group. I think I might have, but if I haven't, I'll put it up again. And it's it was a some very, time ago. very simple recipe for making a... It is vinegar-based, but it's a sweet kind of pickle. Yep. And it is magnificent over with cheese or kind of like a plowman's. Anything where you've got cold meat... Um, like I say, a good strong cheddar, or anything like that. I find that they come out not dissimilar to gherkins. So I would use them in things like burgers. You could bang them in burgers, any grilled yeah. meats. Yeah, yeah, absolutely fabulous. And it's a really, really simple recipe. Um, and again, quite adaptable. But it calls for slicing courgettes and onions really thin. Yep. Purging them with a bit of salt. And if you don't know what that means, it means sprinkling them with salt and then putting them somewhere where as the moisture comes out of the vegetables with the salt, it can drain away. Yep. So it just means that your vinegar doesn't get so diluted and I think it helps with the structure of the uh, whatever you're pickling, they don't yep. go quite as flabby and quite as soft. So you purge them and then meanwhile you, you heat up some vinegar and some sugar and some spices in a saucepan mm -hmm. and then literally you pour that over the, um, the vegetables that once they've purged and you cool it and then you jar it so you don't actually cook you don't cook anything yeah and that's why i like it as well and i also like it because it's got a very long shelf life so that's easily going to keep for a year yeah easily keep for a year but it doesn't actually take that long i've eaten it within a week and it was still great yeah yeah obviously the longer you leave it the more the spices can infuse in but it's got a beautiful sweetness and um I will definitely be making that this year. Yeah. You can also use cucumber. So if you've got maybe marrows or cucumbers, and even those cucumbers when 
and I've had this this year, you know, and they're a bit bitter. Mm -hmm. They go fine with it. Good. Yeah, absolutely fine. It's okay. a way of using them up and um, they'll, be, they'll, they'll be fine in there because the sweetness of the sugar and the purging extracts quite a bit of that bitterness. Yes. So I will definitely put that recipe up for people to try and I just, I don't buy specific special jars. I save jars, mate. Save I jars. Think, I think the only thing is if you're using a pickling jar, you're better off using a jar designed for dealing with things like salt yeah, the vinegar. or vinegar. Yeah. So either a bell pickled onion jar, a hot dog jar, because yeah, they I, pick I, in brine I often. use tomato sauce jars. Tomato sauce. I've been, yeah. sa I've been saving them tomato jars. Right, okay. I'll tell you, I, because obviously people are going, you grind loads of tomatoes, of course I am. Yeah. But what I did is that, you know, as I've gone through my store, my prepped store, you know, my, yeah. my tinned goods store, yeah. I bought a lot of cheap pasta sauce yeah. to store yeah. when it was really reasonable about four, four, three or four years ago. So I probably had about 40 jars yeah. of really cheap pasta sauce. But the jars are great, yeah, and I saved them. Yeah. Um, but well, I think if you're using vinegar, so if you're pickling in vinegar, yeah. you are definitely better to use jars that had vinegar or brine. That made you sound flash, that didn't Yeah, it, it did, yeah. Like, it's not. Just cut all my fingers off. <laughs> Live on a podcast. Just you ever had red courgettes, mate? <laughs> <laughs> it's just about the, the, the seals on the top, not rusting. Yeah, and so, certainly the tomato sauce jars have got that kind of rubberized yeah. seal. And listen, yeah. don't get me wrong. If you can afford the nice kilner jars and all of that, or you've got the money to invest in that, yep. that's what I'd love to do. Yep. But I have to—I pick them up second hand. I'm doing it slowly, mate. Yeah. I've just adding a few every year. Yeah. My kilner selection or my preserve, preserving jar selection. But this is a place where, as a as a prepper or a homesteader, you can actually use other people's lack of prepping and homesteading. Because I'm sure that if you put an, a little thing out to your family, I really want some jars, you'll get inundated pretty Man, soon, won't you? Honestly, yeah, yeah. Um, and if you say, look, I know you have a, I know you have a Dolmio lasagna every week, can I have your two jars? Yeah, yeah. And it won't take you long before you've got 20 or 30 jars, and then you're talking about your um, bottled tomatoes for the year, or your whatever it is. Well, you 30 jars for a year? Just for your personal consumption. I'm going to say, each, each. So, okay, so while we're on courgettes, and I'm going to stick with courgettes, and uh, I'm going to give you courgette relish. Relish. Okay. And this is um, when I say relish, it's not quite a, not quite a chutney. It's kind of uh, a thickened. Don't know quite how to describe it. You've had it before, though. I've made it before. When you cut the you cut again. You cut the courgettes up and small and you purge them. Yeah. You're going to put vinegar in there, but lots of sugar, some chili, some spices. Yep. So I suppose it's a bit like a chutney. Um, but I would use that again, similar way to use a chutney, I suppose. But also, again, you can put that into burgers, so that goes yeah, really well with like the courgette balls that I've been talking about recently. Yeah. That works really well. Um, I'll put a recipe up for that one, but it's, it's a staple in the house. I've nearly always got a jar of that one to go somewhere. Yeah, and I've never made that, so maybe I will. That'd be yeah. one for me to try, won't yeah. it? These have got a lot of seeds, haven't they? They seem to have gone. The yellow ones do, don't they? Yeah, well, what happened was when these grew, first grew, they were cylindrical, yeah. uh, and now they've gone tapered like this soft yeah. shape. So they almost turn into like little summer squashes, aren't yeah. they? So didn't grow those this year, those patty pans, and I really liked those last year. Might do them again next year. So also on the courgettes, courgette chutney. Them two are good, Al. Those are yeah, the So when they're the other thing that happens is when you have a glut of something, you tend to, you don't, because you're dealing with them all the time, you, you actually don't eat them how they're supposed to be. You know what I mean? You don't eat the nice ones. You you tend to eat whatever you've got, yeah, and yeah, you yeah. end up eating the big massive ones because yeah. you've got them, but really, don't ever Save forget the nice ones for, for eating fresh, fresh and yeah. to have them, that, yeah. So a nice curry courgette, courgette chutney, I've got one of those, that's a really good recipe I've got, again, that, but that's with curry powder and uh, tomatoes, that one. 
That's okay. a bit more robust. That's quite chunky. But again, I'll put that, put a recipe up for that. So All right, and I'll give you my. This is a bit left field now. This is the old marrow or courgette rum. Oh yeah. Have you ever done that? No, but who told me about me? this? Me. I've done you? it. Yeah. So you get a marrow, and we've got. We could have done just chopped them all up, mate. That was a mistake. Yeah. Mate. Well, no, not really. So you um, cut the top off, and then you scoop all the insides out, yeah. and then you put brown sugar in it, and you poke a hole in the bottom, and then as the sugar eats the uh, as the acid from the fruit eats away the sugar, yeah. drips out the hole in the bottom. So obviously you've got to have a receptacle underneath, yeah. and then you and then you put that into a fermentation vessel. All right. So it's basically sugar liquor. Okay. And it, and it will ferment out, but it is obviously very sweet. Yeah. <laughs> but it is, it's like rum, tastes like rum. Okay. And it's got a, and if it's too thick, because obviously it can be quite syrupy. Yeah. Oh dear, have, yeah, it, on, yeah, yeah. have it on your ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> or have oh, it, I'll tell you what you could have it with, and this would actually be great. You could have it as a syrup in a coffee. Oh yeah, that would work. And it would be really, really work. good. Yeah, yeah, that would work. With a nice frothy topped. Yeah. So a marrow rum latte. Thank you very much. Got a corner the market there. Yeah, yeah. Marrow rum latte with a froth top. I bet that yeah, is. I reckon that could work. Serious I real deal. That could work. Um, but it, you do need to have it in a, um, a an, an area free of wasps. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So so chutneys, relish, pickles, marrow rum, rum, wine, obviously. My way of preserving them, but obviously not going to eat those ones later on. Um, and then, so moving along from, I'm, I'm sure there are other recipes out there that people use, and I'll be really interested to hear those. But moving along from, from courgettes, uh, you've got a load of beans drying behind you. Should we talk about those for a minute? I think, I think today we'll talk about beans and tomatoes because yeah. they are the they are the quintessential glut yeah, crops, yeah. aren't they? So there's all sorts of different types of beans that you're growing. I'm doing the same. Yeah. And uh, you've got a serious biology bean problem here, mate. I've got to tell you. I don't have a problem. <laughs> Because I know when, 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 when this first happened, this whole concept of farm, this that, I was like, I'll finally be able to grow enough bolotta. Yeah, Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. what you are with tomatoes, <laughs> yeah. I am with bolotta. <laughs> so you're going to be eating a lot of beans this winter. So I planted 280 bolotti plants. Right. And I would, I would say that there are 20 pods per plant. That's what I reckon there are yeah. when I just count up. Maybe even a bit more. Yeah. Some slightly less. So probably on average about twenty pods of beans yeah. per plant. So I mean that is an that's an enormous um, increase, isn't yeah. it? If you think yeah. one seed yeah. to however many. So for me, the borlotta become a staple food mm -hmm. in the house, and they become a staple food for a couple of reasons. They're tasty, and it's got to be that first for yeah. me. They're great. They taste beautiful. I've been eating mine fresh, mate. They're they are absolutely stunning flavour. That, so that's the first thing. Yeah. The second thing is their versatility. And I know that I've probably not even explored one tenth of its potential because I got stuck on a really good recipe that I have most of the time. <laughs> yeah. yeah? yeah. Um, I think they're probably very versatile. I would imagine that I've never even explored mashing them. Yeah. You know, and getting into the bean burgers yeah. or drying them and then mashing them and then reconstitute them. Almost like, not a flower, but... Like dry them as a flower, yeah, even like, dry. That's what I mean. Yeah, I've yeah, never yeah. even got that far. Yeah. Um, we have ours soaked, because obviously they're dried, so we have them soaked, and then I tend to put them in slow cooker. Yeah. And I used to cook them with loads of meat, yeah. and now I don't. Right. I, don't I don't even have to. They are the meat. Yeah. And that's the other thing about them, is that in a place and in a world where refrigerating, freezing, raising, or catching meat becomes harder and harder, yeah. 
they become your go-to protein. Mm -hmm. And they are a brilliant source of protein. Yep. And not only are they brilliant, they are so easy to store. And that yep. then comes full circle around what we were talking about earlier, in that as long as you get them, dry them, jar them out of light and air, and you know, they will keep for years. Yeah. Yeah. And they will be as nutritious as when you first had it. And yeah, you can slow cook them in an oven for four hours, but if all I had was a fire and a pot, I could still do it. Yeah. You know? So so in terms of what we're talking about here is the fire tongue beans of velocity beans. But the same principle applies to lots of different beans. Yeah. Um, I mean I've done it with um, Blue Lake before to get cannellini type beans. Yeah, that works I, pretty well. I think that the, the reason that Borlotta are uh, famous for what they are is because of the size of the bean, yeah. right? But the other thing that I noticed when I did some experiments on different beans, French kidney beans, whatever yeah. you want to call them, yeah. is some of them, they've got lovely beans in, but they are very hard to shell. Yeah. That they, they shrivel up so much yeah. that they form a really tight yeah, case, and then you can't actually shell them out. And that, that's why I would imagine they're not, yeah. they're not ones that we eat. Yeah. But funnily enough, we've got um, Cos de Violette, which is a type of French bean, yeah. and that's got some big old beans in there. Yeah. And I'm hoping that when they dry, they're easy. Yeah. One of them doesn't shell well, either Cobra or Blue Lake. Mm -hmm. And I think it's the, the black ones is Cobra, isn't yeah, it? I think it's the black ones yeah. that shrivel up so much yeah. that they're hard to get out. Yeah. But the, I, I think that the um, Blue Lake is okay. I've done it with the Blue Lake before, don't it? With some yeah. They're white beans, aren't they? they? Yeah, they're nice they're white, white beans, beans yeah. right, and they're tasty. But they, so we, what we're talking about then is drying them either on the vine at the end of the season or taking them off to dry them off the vine. Yeah, and I think yeah. that uh, the other thing that I'm very aware of at the moment is that we have been really lulled in with six weeks of no rain yep. and the heat here. Yep. It has been the perfect season for Borlotto in the yep. UK. Yep. But I know that we've had times when we've struggled to have two days without rain to yep. get them in. Yeah. And then I've had rot off in yeah. drying and stuff like yep. that. And so I've taken, even though you know, if you it's warm today here, but it's humid today here, yeah, yeah. I've taken the um, view that every time it's dry, I go out and I pick a green oh, crate okay. of beans, yeah. and then I know I've got a green crate of yeah, beans, yeah, yeah. and then I will keep getting them in bit by bit. So you're going to bring them in when the pods are dry. Yeah. And you're going to put yeah. them in somewhere dry. I'm putting them in dry, and I'm laying them out on tables to get them yeah. even drier if yeah. I have to. Yeah. I could dig up the whole plant and bring it in, but yeah. I don't. I haven't Hang got the storage. I haven't yeah, got yeah, the space yeah. for it. No. I will be interested to see. We we done a huge bolotta crop once, yep, and did. I know that that was fifty plants because that's what we had in that yep. plot. Yep. And so I'm hoping, and that was a big crop. It was, and I know that you know if I if I if I went and looked in my cupboard, I could probably still find some. I've definitely got still some from that year. Have you? Somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Really? Well, I don't eat nearly as many as you. Not 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 no, dried. No. I like no. them, but I don't eat nearly as many. But up. what was very interesting was and now I did try them this year and they didn't, but last year. I did a germination test on those beans, oh, yeah. and they were all right. Mm. I got about eighty percent out, mm. and and that brings really and that brings me back round to the last thing about the borlotta. Is if you grow borlotta once, you never ever pay for them again. No. And I love that. Yeah. I like that. That is securing food future for, you know, if this all fell apart and I wasn't working at the farm and I went home, and I took two handfuls of beans. Like Jack. Jack yeah. in the Beanstalk, mate, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. It's magic. They are magic, magic that, yeah. beans. Because so, they just come true every year. And they might not be able to get beans next year. Right? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows, mate? Okay, so we're going to dry them out on the, on the bench. And how do you know when they're dry enough to put away? So they go really leathery. Mm -hmm. 
Um, the skins go very leathery, and sometimes they like that on the vine. A, a, a way that you know that they're ready to pick is if you can rattle them, yeah. right? And they might sound a bit dull because there's still some moisture in the pod. Alan's going to give you a demo. That's very good, man. You like that? Are they the dry dry? They're the dry dry, yeah. And in fact, this is the answer, which is obviously people yeah. can't see this now. Yeah. I'll try and get a picture in a minute. Yeah. This is a pod that's popped open. It's on so dry itself. they're ready. It's yeah. popped by itself. Yeah. And that's another reason why you have to get them in, because they're much harder to pick off the ground. <laughs> yeah. But if you listen yeah. to that, you can hear that's how they sound. And the, yeah. other, the other way to test whether they're done is to do what I would call a tinkle test. A tinkle test? A tinkle that test. Like something I'm not sure I want to know. A tinkle test is really easy. So if you get a china saucer or a plate yeah. and you drop a seed on it, oh, yeah. if it tinkles. Oh, right. So we can do that test right now. We get a nice, I'll tell you what we'll do is I'll get one which isn't sure. Right. Right. I'm on it, I'm on it, rattling through it, trying to find something on the top, but you can't see them, so I'm going to pop one. So I've got some here which are not ready. How many do you want? Just two. I've got some here which are not ready, I don't think, and then I've got a nice china plate here, my best china, and I'll drop it on it and you can have a listen. Oh, there we go, this is the one. Oh, there's only a couple in here. You're going to need two beans, mate, lovely. All right, so there's the plate. So I'll do these ones first. And that is that, can you hear that? Yeah. All right, so, all right, once more. Now, when Alan puts his down, I'm really hoping this I, works I out. I don't think they're quite ready, but I'm going to go with it anyway. Oh, no, it's the tinkle. There we go, right? So that's the difference. That's the tinkle test. There we go. There you go, mate. There we go, tinkles. Love it. All right. Thank you. Got to get some... On the beans, on the beans. Talk us about this Tuscan beans, Jim. You mentioned it a lot. Okay. Give so us the recipe, come this on. This is a great, great recipe. Now, the only thing I might not be... No, I haven't right. bothered with, with quantities on my recipes. I often operate on um, handfuls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that depends so, on the size of your hand, though, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. So Tuscan bean stew. Um, if I was going if to... If it was the first time I was cooking it, I would cut a quarter of a chorizo up, yeah. dice it, yeah. put it in the frying pan, or in the bottom of a casserole, if I'm being totally honest. I don't even bother with frying pan. Put it in the bottom of a big, big cast iron pot. Yeah, mm -hmm. this is what I like, a one potter. And then with maybe, um, you know, if I want to have enough for more than one person, mm. you know, one meal, sorry, I yeah. would put two onions and probably five or six cloves of garlic. I like it mm. with quite a good bit of punch to it. Yeah. Soften them, yeah? Yeah. And then because I like to pack it out, I will probably put a couple of carrots in it chopped up. Yeah. A couple of courgettes chopped up. Yeah. And then two tins of tomatoes or the equivalent of fresh yep. thumb tomatoes. Okay, and then I will have already soaked my borlotta beans, two yep. big handfuls. Yeah, maybe so Soak three. them overnight, eight overnight, hours or so. Yeah, yep. overnight, and then change them. Yep. You can keep them in that water for another day, but you would have to change the water, yep. yeah? Yep. And then they go in, and they will go in not much bigger than, when, but over the course of four hours at yep. 140. Okay. That's 140 C, so mm. I don't know what the equivalent of that is of Fahrenheit no, for our American good. colleagues. Yeah. But I think that's probably Gas Mark 3 or Gas Mark quick, 4. Quick Google will figure that one yeah. out, though, won't it? So it's basically cooked <clears throat> for about four hours, yeah? Okay. Now, that's you could completely omit the chorizo mm -hmm. without shadow of a doubt. Yeah. You could put more or less any other vegetables in it. I yeah. know some people will put celery in theirs, yeah. and maybe a can of sweet corn or yeah. fresh corn or yeah. whatever you like. You could certainly put mushrooms in it yeah. at the beginning, mm -hmm. you know, if you if you had them. Um, I tend to then flavour it with whole chilies or dried chilli, yeah. just to give it a little bit of beef if you want to mm -hmm. make it more kind of spicy. 
Uh, and then basically the longer you cook it, the less liquid there is in it. Yeah. And it will turn into quite a sludgy kind of gravy. And then you can make really good bean burritos out yeah, of it yeah. and everything like yeah. that. But on the flip side, I've also overstocked it and maybe put some red wine in it. Mm -hmm. And and I've put a whole pheasant in it. Yeah. Or a whole rabbit is fantastic with a rabbit in it. Oh, I bet, yeah. So rabbit and bean stew, yeah. I would say that, that is taking it right up there. Yeah. And we tend to have that um, on a jacket. Okay. But I've had it with rice. Yeah. Um, it's really good with rice. Yeah. Or I've had it with flatbreads. Yeah. Um, you know, or focaccia, something like that, and just having it in a bowl and dipping out of the bowl. You can put parmesan on it when it comes out if you want to go that route. But we tend to just eat it as it is. And it is really filling, really, really sort of hearty, and mate even better the next day yeah you know oh sorry there will also be a big bunch of fresh herbs in there and i think that sage and beans go quite well together yeah. i like that flavor combination rosemary and beans go as well as well rosemary yeah. and beans yeah so i would stick with those maybe i mean but i would put time in it if i i'll just pick a big and a bay leaf and yeah. all of that um but it's the it's the length of cooking i think that does it but i know and this is one thing that i, I don't own a slow cooker mm -hmm. you know like a crock yeah. pot yeah. plug in yeah and someone was talking about them this morning on the radio and about how efficient they are. Right. I don't know if that's the case. So I want to look at what is the equivalent of me heating my oven mm. for, for four hours or having a plug-in slow cooker for, I think they take about eight or nine hours, don't they? You leave them on all day oh, or yeah. whatever. Because if it's more fuel efficient to have that one, I've got no problem trying that out. No. Because, I mean, I can pick up one for free, probably, on Facebook Marketplace. Have you ever used one? No, I haven't. I have to say, because I suspect that they won't have one big enough for me. Right. So if I was going to make that, like yeah. you say, it keeps really well. Yeah. It'll freeze really well. Yeah, it will, yeah. I'd make three or four dinners worth out of it yeah. and then freeze the leftovers. Yeah, yeah. So then I'm at that point, I'm into, well, I haven't got a crock pot big enough. Yeah. I might as well put my massive casserole tin in the oven well, and do it in that. You, you could even, because the oven's on, could actually even do two things couldn't you yep and i quite often do that too yeah. as well so so yeah. we've got a plane going over there yeah, yeah we're doing well today it's, it's been, it's been well. plenty back time is it a spit because we've had the airborne on recently no it's not this time we do it's get little... a spitfire over every, every yeah day. oh it's blazing not sunny it's isn't it? lovely isn't it so so with the beans then i would go down the, the bacon and bean they go in there can we walk um, down here mate <laughs> yeah no worries i would also consider making like bean burgers now i put out a recipe recently oh. for those courgette polpette if you swapped out the grated courgette for cooked borlotti beans and then mashed them up really well that would work really well so you can just swap that in there's a straight swap for your courgettes you're gonna laugh now al because i'm gonna go pick up what are my salad potatoes all right go on all they're right. the size of your head so these are my salad potatoes these are charlottes yeah you ever had a charlotte yep so normally Even the size just, of a hen's egg i think egg, i've just planted say? some as well actually yeah normally the size of a hen's egg sounds about right you need a digger to dig them out. Oh my word. A jacket go, potatoes. Charlotte's for you, look. Charlotte jacket spuds, mate. And I'll tell you what, I've been listening again. There's a drought. Yeah. Everyone said that the potato yield is down. Yeah. I don't know what we did here. And it might be one of the times that clay's come to our benefit. Well, clay holds moisture. Because it's held the moisture. Yeah. And, I mean, we did have a downpour the other day. But, you know, this is one plant. This is one plant here, isn't it? Yeah. I don't know what my kilo is per plant. I'd say it's about one so far. Oh, there you go. Two and a half kilos, easy. At least a good regular size bag of spuds, maybe a bit more, quite a bit more. We're looking at that. Very oh, impressive. Oh, you Skewered. spiked one. Skewered Skewered one Skewered boy. Skewered one. 
So, I don't so, think we're going to be finished here, boss. No. So back on the bolotti beans then, so it's, it's about then storing, you could make baked beans with them and, and can that up. Yeah, and I would like to try and do the baked beans, because yeah. I've never done baked beans. Oh, you know, I've done, oh I love home, homemade baked beans, mate, amazing. Well, that's something I'd Highly recommended. I just don't rec don't expect them to be anything like the Heinz ones you get in tins, that's all, that's all I would say. No, not. The bolotti beans would, would lend themselves really well to that. But a whole range of different pasta dishes as well with those beans. Um, I'm having jackets tonight. I'm having jackets tonight, okay. So. <laughs> So shall we talk about tomatoes? Yes. Because uh, we're going to say about the three things. Yeah. Let's go on the tomatoes, because I don't know about you, but I am literally bringing in ice cream tubfuls every couple of days, if that means Well, I more. did put a picture of them on the internet. Yeah, yeah. you've had crates and crates of we them. We are doing they? very well. Yeah. So we're freezing a lot. Yep. Because that's what we've got. I know you've got the canner. We're freezing a lot to process at a later date. Yep. And when I do process them, I will make passata. Yep. And I probably won't add a lot to it. Right. I'll just literally boil them up. Um, and if I can get the skins off, I will, but I'm not that worried. Mate, I, the freezing them is a really good way to go. Yeah. Um, and I've, obviously I've had dealt with this problem a few times over the years, right? Yeah, so you, you, you've had so much more experience of tomato yeah. than I have, because I've never really had enough until I moved here. Well, I mean, there's, there's a few recipes, and I'll put one out there that's for panzanella, which is my favorite way to use up fresh tomatoes. Uh, which is just a bread salad, yeah, um, yeah. but it's it's like get your old sourdough and and put in your tomatoes and you blitz some of them down with some anchovies and some I know it stuffs you up a bit, but some garlic and um, I can't even remember lemon juice, balsamic vinegar maybe actually, uh, but you you blitz them all up and then you soak the bread in that and then you make the salad with that with olives and bits yeah. of pepper and all that sort of stuff. I've had it. Amazing, amazing. It, you made me one without the anchovies. I did, it, didn't once, I? And it was yeah. really great. Yeah, and I, it's my favourite. Absolutely love it. Um, Do you want a few jackets? Mate? Yes, please, mate. That'd be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> That's a Charlotte. <laughs> <laughs> That's enormous. Mate, that is like, yeah, just about fits in your hand. Um, oh, hang so, on. Here's big. No way. <laughs> Size of that. Um, so. It's starting to sound like a dodgy podcast. <laughs> so, um, I'm not even. Digging if you're going to use them up fresh, there's loads of ways to do that. You can obviously make pasta, and you can make whatever you want to make with a tomato sauce. Anywhere where you would use a, a tomato, a tin of tomatoes, or a passata, um, you're laughing, aren't you? You use the fresh tomatoes instead. But assuming you've got loads more than that, freezing them is a really good place to start. Yeah, that's what we. Because when you take them out of the freezer, first thing that's going to happen is when they defrost, the skin's going to come off really easy. Yeah. And the second thing that's going to happen is most of the water, or a big chunk of the water, is going to come out. It's going yeah. to leach out of them yeah. straight away because the cell walls are broken down, the water's released. Yeah. And then you're into the realms of, well, what can I do with them? I'm just going um, to pick a few beans. Yeah, no worries. And so you can, there's all sorts of things you can do, right? Well, at that point, you can make your passata and that'll make your job easier. Um, it's not so great for, well, actually probably work okay for canning them just as bottled, bottled tomatoes. Yeah. Making your passata is brilliant. And I quite often just put some in the freezer and then pull them out the morning I want to cook a pasta in the, in the winter. And I'll use the fresh tomatoes once they've defrosted in the evening. And I've even used them uh, frozen straight into like the bean type casserole thing you were talking about before. Works perfectly well. I'm just going to take a break, Al. <laughs> yeah, go on. To say to people the joy I'm having here. You're enjoying yourself. Because I'm shopping for my tea tonight yeah. in a garden. Yeah. And so I'm like, I don't need to pick a hundred beans. No. She's going to pick 20. Yeah. yeah. And now I've seen the spuds. I'm actually deciding what to eat as I'm here. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a hard life, mate. It's hard and life. These are going to be, these are going to have been picked and then eaten in hours. So yeah, living the dream, mate. Just walking along here and yeah. getting a. These are the those lovely. These are my. I just love French beans. These are cobra. Yeah. I know they're not their um, 
Blue lug. Good beans though, good My beans. My favourite. That's how I like them. But, no, maybe even slightly bigger than that actually. Oh no, I'm, I'm definitely, I err on the young side yeah. of the old beans. They're all coming anyway. Yeah, they're looking great. Have you got some? Yeah, I've got I've got beans, mate, coming out my ear holes. Yeah. Even though I only had about 10 plants make it through as well. A good glut for you. Well, I've, I've been freezing them. I've got frozen runner beans. I've been slicing the nose and trimming them. And they've gone in there. I've got a big bag full of those in the freezer. And yeah, actually, got... we just concentrated on the ball lot. We didn't talk about anything else, did we? No, we'll get around to that another time, I think, probably now, to be honest. Yeah, but... yeah. So go back in, into the tomatoes. Yeah, sorry, mate. You're freezing your tomatoes, aren't you, right? I'm and the idea them. then, if you're going to make passata, that's going to make it a lot easier. So that's one thing yeah. I'm doing with them. But there's loads of things you can do, aren't they? Because you've dehydrated a load. So the dehydration has worked really well. And there's been a few people asking about it on the Facebook page. And I've never used one until last week. Yeah. And I literally just... Um, that's a whopper, mate. Yeah. You get, I tell you, get picky, though, don't you? No. I'm like, no, no I, won't, I, like I, won't, I won't eat that. I like them all. I won't eat that. Fresh. No. Um, the dehydrator I'd had no experience with. Yep. It was found. I opened it yep. up and um, cleaned it out. And then I um, uh, downloaded the manual off the internet because I'd lost that with people at, at the farm. And then um, and then basically we just started out. And they, they take about 14 hours to yep. dry slice tomatoes about right, yeah. at about 140 yep. um, and then with a the little fan ticking away and 140 140 so mine runs at 50 degrees normally I think it's American oh right okay Fahrenheit I think it's American okay. yeah I think it's American so, yeah, so. but anyway that's what it's yeah. running at and um, and they've been a revelation yeah those sun those, they're not sun dried they're dried yeah but if I you know, if I put them outside for half an hour in the sun, then technically they're sun, sun dried because I've had I a bit of sun. Well, if they're sourdough bread, they sell as sourdough in the supermarket, counts as sourdough, that definitely works. <laughs> <laughs> so they've had a definitely bit of sun works. drying. I'm just going to put these in the truck and then yeah. get some sweet corn. If I'm no worries. Um, and so the, the drying has been amazing. And even though I can imagine that, I think that, that I looked it up, I think about 300 pounds sterling for one of those dehydrators. But you can buy a... Mine was 30 quid, mate. Yeah, you Honestly, can buy 30, 35, maybe. So, I would say um, that if you've got a glut of tomatoes, that is a steal, isn't it? Uh, it's a really good way of doing it, mate. I, and I've done it, anyway. I, I, I prefer doing the smaller ones, the smaller tomatoes for yeah, that. Yeah. Um, but you get some really nice dehydrated, like cherry or slightly say, bigger tomatoes. I would say that the Italian plum tomatoes, because yeah. they've got less moisture in them at the beginning, yeah. dry far better than the other ones yes they yeah. take it takes a lot longer yeah it would and they kind of stick more and yeah. that whereas because they're they've got no fluid in have they yeah. Italian tomatoes no they definitely definitely um, dry better yes yeah but I'm just gonna find no, it definitely works but then you you can get then into the realms of um, making things like chutneys with your tomatoes can't you clearly absolutely yeah and I, to be honest I won't I'll be yeah, making my oh hello we're going through the undergrowth well, I'm just looking. I want some sweet corn. I don't think I've got any of this first crop left. Sorry, you can hear a tractor in the background. Like, so we're definitely up at the farm today, aren't we? A lot, yeah, going, a lot of work going on here today. Can you see anything, else? What's this one down here like? Yes, there's one. That looks all right. Has it, when you, has it got something in it? Feels like it. And then yeah, we'll have that, that one's not. Yeah, a lot of these smaller ones are not so good. Yeah, have a look at that. I'm not so sure. There's a few in there. Have you ever eaten a raw sweet corn? Yeah. These are... See, I don't know if that's ready yet. Oh, no, well, you pulled it off, off now, so it look, no choice. Oh, that's not bad, is it? I'll cut that in half and the bottom half. So, so right, maybe I'll look one. for a few like that. Yeah. Because um, I've got another patch ready, but I'm trying to yeah, wait. What's that one down there, mate? I'm trying down to in there. Oh, yeah, look at the mining. Eagle eyes, mate. Eagle eyes. Oh, down on the end of the row is one as well. He's riding under a bit of fat anyway. 
Yeah. So yeah, you could definitely get into making things like your tomatoes and that kind of thing, but to be honest with you, I'm going to freeze most of mine and then I'll knock them into Passata later on. Yeah. But I will put that panzanella recipe out. Have you got any other uses for fresh tomatoes? Oh mate, we just eat Greek salad every day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We eat Greek salad every day. I would say I also am a real fan, and I never used to really like raw tomatoes that much, mate. But I have to say, those <laughs> big fandangos <coughs> sliced in a burger. Oh, oh yeah. Where am I looking at, boss? Standing right on the ground, it's literally fallen down or been squashed down or something. Where am I looking? Like, forward, next plant along from your right foot. Oh yeah. There we go. I don't know if it's any good or not, but it's laying down there. A little double, little doubler. Yep. There's enough here for dinner anyway. No, that's all right, and you're good. Well, golden, mate. Mrs. Rose's favourite, these are, at the moment. She's like, don't come home without sweet corn. No, my if you haven't got any, don't come home. That's <laughs> <Well, fair enough. laughs> Yeah, my family's a bit like that. One, one dinner, talking of gluts, one dinner we had, this yeah. was it. Just corn. I, I just, I got a big Le Creuset pot, it must yeah. have had about 15 cobs in it, and yeah. just sat around the table and <laughs> butter and salt, that was all that we had. Brilliant. 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 Just do this last run. Oh, that was dear. all we had, mate. Oh, Absolutely delish, but this has been something that everyone's enjoyed. And what I like is that this was a happy accident. I did 50, or however many. There's more 50. There's 100 here. Mm. I did 100 and then looked at it and thought, not enough. Mm. I did another 100. And because of the gap, it's actually now these are ready. Yeah. And then they're ready. They and next year well. I'll do that on purpose. Yeah. Different variety, yeah. Obviously, incredible. Yeah. This is Swift. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, and I have to say, they do look incredible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but again, where for some things this year has been dreadful. The drought. Yep. But sweet corn. They love it. They love it. We do one more pick, are we? We are. Yeah. Shall we bring everyone along with us. Yeah. Yeah. We're gonna do one more pick, Alan. You're going to like it. Come on. Yeah. It's it's going to be more of a graze. <laughs> graze? We're going to walk up the raspberry road, mate. Oh, mate, all right. Yeah. You all right with that? Yeah, I can live with that, mate. Walk up the raspberry road. There you go. That's that. You can take a picture of that chugging. Yeah. I like that underneath us here, there's a good crop waiting as well. There's a lot of spuds there, isn't there? There's an awful lot of spuds. But they're for a year. Yeah. For five yeah. families for a year. Yeah. It will be. So, you might even get a blueberry if you're lucky. Not many left. No. So, so the raspberries gone all right over this year? No, not no. really. They have really struggled in the drought. Yep. Because they were planted this year, weren't they? So. Yes, and if you look to your right, oh, yeah. some of the summer sown ones. Not made it at all. Well, well they, they might come actually, back. Tomorrow, no, look, if you look, oh, yeah, they look, look, look dead, yeah, but yeah. they're not. No. And so they're struggled yeah, to put root ground down. level. And yeah. I've watered them as much as I can, but yeah. we're, we've got a hose pipe band now. And we're well far away from anywhere you carry water in from as well now, aren't we? I can get water here, there's water here. Oh, is there? Yeah. Oh, right, we can't but, use the hose. Well, I, actually we can because right. this is commercial. Yeah. But, you know, trying to be responsible as yeah. well. And yeah. one of the things we do is pump our water up from the reservoir down there, and we've yeah. got 60,000 litres rain catchment over there. Yeah. So we're not really dependent on main municipal supply. Yep. But <clears throat> even with the watering two or three times a week, it's still really struggled. Yeah. But the autumn ones haven't. Okay. And I think it's because they went in earlier. Yeah, yeah. And they just had that little chance. Yeah. And, and obviously the kind of fruit they are, they're ready earlier, aren't they? You know, they're ready now. Yes. Whereas they 
they take years to develop. These yeah. you cut back down to the ground. Well, they, they fruit on this year's they growth, don't they? fruit on this year's growth, and then yeah. it's done. So, that, so they're prepared for this kind of weather because yeah. it's what they do, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, I'll tell so you what, I'll tell you what. Well, they're all right, aren't they? And this is, a different, this is a different kind of thing because whereas a lot of the rest of the farm is geared up to food production for selling, yeah. the fruit, because we live near Kent, which is probably one of the biggest fruit production areas in the UK, yeah. we never thought we would compete with that. Yeah. So the fruit on the farm is just for personal use. Right. That's why there's uh, 15 apple trees and two, two plum, two cherry, two mm. pear, and then just enough rhubarb, blackberries, blackcurrants, mm. just for personal use. Yeah. And all I do is maybe once a week we all take in turn, you know, I'll pick a few, I won't take them all, and then tomorrow one of the other families will come in and just, and there's just enough here to have with a bowl of cream or, yep. or to make a, make a little ice cream sundae or something like that. Yeah. We don't go crazy. And so you're not worrying about gluts with these, are you looking at them? There's a few on there. No. But there's then again, not... I'm hoping that next year the growth will be better because they'll have a bigger root system. Yeah. Because these were all yeah. planted this year and, you know, they've struggled with the heat like yeah. everything else, haven't they? Well, they've done well considering. Uh, mate, I'm just they? glad they're looking good. still alive. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Even that one there has put out a new bit. Yeah, look. yeah. It takes quite a bit to kill a raspberry plant, to be fair. Well, and also we did have an epic, epic downpour. I mean, ridiculous amount of rain yeah. in last week we had probably a month's worth of rain in a day right there's 150 uh 150 millim millimeters in in one day that's quite a bit that's six inches of rain yeah. in the day yeah. and i think august average is about six inches in yeah. the month yeah and we got it all in one but of course it ran off most of the ground because it had been baked so hard yeah the, the ground had been so dry and what's nice is that everyone's saying, oh, oh, I'll tell you what, the raspberries have been good this year. And when you walk along here, you don't get many. You know, right. get 10 or 20 or whatever. Yeah. I'll probably eat these ones on the way home now. But uh, <laughs> everyone's just getting a few. Yep. And that's what it's all about, yeah. isn't it? There's yeah. a nice one there. All right, mate. Well, I think we'll, um, we'll call it a, a day for We've there. We've rambled a bit, haven't we? Well, we have rambled a bit today. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Well, I think that there was three things I wanted to talk about, the gluts, really. And we, I would like to come back and revisit the gluts at some point. Right. Um, but let's focus on... On the tomatoes, the bolotti beans in particular, yeah. um, and the courgettes that we've spoken about. And what yeah. I'd like people to do, if you're out there listening and, and you feel like you want to contribute, um, your recipe for any of those things, oh. any of those three things, how you're going to use up those gluts, let us know, because I'd be interested in hearing. What we need to do now, though, is get our recipes up on there as well. We're looking All after right. a glut of raspberries. Yeah, here, well, right? you know, I'm not going to take a lot long, <laughs> long to deal with these, but um, get your recipes up there, and we'll come back, and next time we talk, we'll do, obviously, our catch-up, but we'll also do a little bit about maybe dealing with gluts of other things, yeah? yeah. And speaking of which, we need to go and get some chilies. Oh, yeah. Right. Anyway, if you've enjoyed what you're listening to, We've thank you very much. There, really we? short one today, but it was supposed to be part B of um, episode nine, really. Um, so a random mouthful of straw, uh, raspberry. I want to say thank you very much for listening. If you enjoyed it, get on your Facebook group. Um, please tell everybody about us uh, and come back and listen to us again. Thank you very much. See Cheers. Bye-bye. So thanks very much, everyone, for listening through to the end of another episode of uh, the Urban Homestead in UK podcast. If you've enjoyed what you're listening to, please come and join us on our Facebook group. Uh, you can come find us on Urban Homestead in UK on Facebook. Uh, come and find us on Instagram and uh, all those other good places. Please tell your friends about us and uh, do come and listen again. Thank you. Bye-bye.